0: Where were you 25 years ago today? Well, my guest this morning knows what he was doing 22, uh, 25 years ago today. He was hired by the Willimantic Fire Department. I am pleased to be joined by my friend Mark Scrivener, who's celebrating his anniversary with Wayno here on the radio. Mark, good morning. Thanks for coming in today. Good morning. Ha- thanks for having me. Happy anniversary. Thank and you, sir. What memories did you have of 25 years ago today? What happened? Well, you know, when I walked, you know, I don't have a
1: great memory of walking in the firehouse on my first day but um I, I know how excited I was that that first day I kind of felt like I was moving up to the big time I had come from a, a small combination fire department you know nearby and and uh was just to me as a little kid from Hebron it was a big city you know it was it was so cool walking into the fire station and of course I had grown up coming here and shopping and and doing all the, the the social things so uh there was a special place in my heart for Will manic and I was so happy to be here
0: was it Chief Walsh who hired you
1: it was Chief Walsh and Deputy Chief Miller that hired me and uh Chief Walsh I I still stay in contact with him once in a while he's obviously quite elderly at this point but uh he uh, he was really good to me you know not only hiring me but in the entirety of my Uh, career he was very good to me and so I was very happy to have been hired by him.
0: So you joined the Willamette Fire Department. Do you recall your first incident that happened under your watch? I went to a medical call over on
1: Pleasant Street. There's a brick uh, residence over there, multifamily residence. I don't remember what the medical call was. You know, they don't just throw you to the walls. You you ride along with other people. I was already certified as an EMT, so I was riding along with other people on the ambulance. You know, kind of learning the ropes. And uh, I I do remember going to that call. And you know, it was it was a I was a bag of nerves, but uh, you know, I had been doing it already. I worked full time as a, a firefighter in the Air Force, and I had. Been a full-time firefighter in Hebron for five years. Uh, Hebron had just two full-timers at the time. And uh, so I wasn't a green rookie walking in, but, you know, I was too. You know, I I had a lot to learn still.
0: A lot of kids, when they're young, aspire to be a firefighter. Was that Mark Scribner? You know,
1: uh, my mom, although she probably doesn't remember now, but she had told me once that we had driven by the firehouse here in Wilmington, and I said that I wanted to work there someday. I don't remember that, but I do know that... <laughs> You know, for some reason, I was compelled at 18 years of age, that's when I got my driver's license, to walk into the the local volunteer fire department and join up. I have no idea what compelled me. I presume maybe because I saw other, uh, you know, friends and and, and acquaintances doing it and it looked cool. But the moment I walked into the firehouse, I smelled... You know the smell of, of of soot, and I smelled the rubber from the hose and from the fire gear and the red trucks. I mean, I was hooked. I was just hooked from the day I walked in the first time.
0: Is it the mission of the fire departments, plural, to always keep those red fire trucks neat, clean, and shiny? You know, it it
1: it it always has been, right? I mean, we we do so much. We're a really busy fire department, but it is part of our daily routine. We when they come into work in the morning they they do their normal roll call shift change turnover um and then house duties you know at the firehouse you know we live there 24 7 so it, it gets you know it gets a lot of use it needs to be kept up so there's you know vacuuming and mopping and garbage taking out the garbage but then they they pull out every single day, they pull out the fire trucks. And not only do they go through all the equipment, soup to nuts, they have to check everything. Everything has to be checked to make sure it's functional in there, right? Nothing got misplaced. But then, of course, they wash the trucks every single day. They're million-dollar vehicles at the minimum. The ladder trucks are $2 million. The least we can do for the taxpayers is keep them shiny. And it's not always easy, right? The weather kind of complicates that. but
0: Especially in the wintertime with yeah. the salt and snow and things yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I've seen occasional times where you take your trucks out and test the hoses. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a time out here at Gilson Square, you were shooting these huge arcs of water. And that's just to make sure everything's working fine, the hoses are clean? It, no, it's generally training for the
1: operator of the vehicle. You know, we it takes a long time, believe it or not. We, we hire somebody, we send them recruit school for 15 weeks, and then they got to go to EMT school if they're not already certified as an EMT. And then we, we spend the better part of their first year training them to operate all the equipment and the apparatus. And so, you know, it it's... it's it, if you see a South brand water is probably training for operators
0: so as a kid you probably aspired to want to be a firefighter what was the attraction of the air force for you
1: well you know i'm uh, a child i was born in 69 i'm a child of the 70s my the adults in my life, you know, had uh, many of them, although not direct family, but people around me had served either in World War II or Vietnam, and that was very present in my consciousness as a child. My parents, although they were they were kind of child children of the '60s, and, and they were against military service, and and maybe that compelled me even more to, because <laughs> you know you rebel against your parents, but maybe that compelled me even more to want to serve. But um, uh, a friend of mine, a kid nearby where I grew up, his his cousin had joined the Air Force and come back with a shiny uniform and stories and regaled us with those, and, and I knew I, I wanted to serve.
0: Not everyone in the Air Force can fly a plane. Did you fly a plane?
1: I was a firefighter in the Air Force, so that's I, what I do now is what I did in the Air Force, and and uh, that was a great, you know, great match for me, you know, both serving in the Armed Forces but fighting fires not that there's many fires in the air force they're very safe but you know we spent a lot of time chasing aircraft incidents and and uh, you know that was it was a, the air force takes good care of its people and the firefighting is a great career field in the air force i really enjoyed it
0: but i take that to mean you did not fly you were not actually a pilot in the air force no no i never You're... actually
1: went up in an aircraft while i was in the air force <laughs> certainly spent a lot of time chasing aircraft that had incidents certainly spent a lot of time crawling through aircraft that, to learn you know how the aircraft uh, operated so we could rescue people out of it but uh but never went up in one
0: well you said your first call here was a medical call were there plenty of medical calls in your role with the air force no not really if you think about it most people in the air force are young and healthy and so uh very few med- yeah but stuff happens though it does
1: right but it's it's you know the instance is very low it's um you know aircraft incidents were our, our number one call for sure and that could be a bird strike that could be a A problem with landing gear that could be a fuel spill you know there was plenty to keep us busy one of my bases had f4s which were vietnam era and so those things were constantly buggy you know at that time they were running reconnaissance over the texas mexico border i was in austin and so they we were constantly having problems with those aircraft
0: so it's marsh gridmer's 25th anniversary at the Willamette fire department Aside from the radio interview today, how do you plan on celebrating this momentous anniversary? Right,
1: I, don't, I don't have any plans. If, if, uh, if we're feeling energetic, my wife and I might go out for dinner tonight. But uh, I'm going to celebrate the same way I have for the last 25 years, by going to work and doing my job and, and keep it on.
0: What's the deal with you and her? When it comes to costumes. You guys go over the top on Halloween and other occasions during the year. Do you keep those at home? Do you rent them? I mean I'm, I'm really impressed by how you, you do the whole thing when it comes to these special holidays. Well you know I
1: have a job that at times can bring stress and certainly there's a lot of responsibility and I preach to the people I work with, the, the, the you know, the need to take care of yourself, your mental health, to do things that restore your kind of your sense of well-being. And for me, those things are really a lot of fun, right? I, it's fun. You can't be serious all the time. You have to add a little silly to your life. And it's fun. Halloween's a great holiday for me. You know, when we, we piece together our costumes from different sources, whether we order pieces online or, or get them elsewhere, go, you know, look at. You know, Salvation Army or something for pieces, but uh, we, you know, we spend months strategizing what our costumes are going to be and, and putting them together. And, and trick or treat on Main Street in Will Manicure is just a blast. There's two thousand kids that come out, and they love it. They love it when the adults dress up and act silly. That, that the kids respond very well to that.
0: But then you don't really go over the top on July Fourth. But I love the way you present yourself on the 4th of July in the Boombox Parade in your full-dress uniform, walking down the street proudly.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think part of what comes with my job is that the, the public has some expectation. That we're civil servants. They want to... They want to see the people that work for them in some public settings. And I think July 4th is one of those. I mean, I enjoy it, too. So I put on my dress uniform. I carry the American flag. And my wife puts on patriotic-themed clothing. And we walk down Main Street in front of the fire trucks. And and people respond wonderful. We get so many people yelling our names and clapping. And they want hugs and handshakes and photos. And it's it's a major holiday in this town, isn't it?
0: You go to our website right now, wyli.com, and on the left-hand side, on the morning show guest thing, you will see Mark and his wife walking down Main Street last year at the WylI Boombox Parade. Flash me back to 25 years ago today, or at least this week, when you had your first interview, your interview to be hired by Chief Walsh and the Willamette Fire Department. You were the first interview of the day right so there was a panel
1: interview with some folks that were you know I think the deputy chief of Norwich or something that that I got through everybody goes through the initial interview and then there's the final interview and they had final interviews scheduled all day I was the first one of the day by luck or draw I don't know and um it went well my interview with Chief Walsh and deputy chief Miller went very very well and I felt really strong coming out of it but I when I left the room they followed me out and said I think it was actually Deputy Chief Miller who followed me out and said, Hey, just keep it to yourself. But we've already decided that you're going to be the one we're hiring. But we have to interview. We still have a full plate of interviews all day. You
0: didn't keep it to yourself. You just announced it on the radio. Well, you know, (laughs) at least for that day, I had to keep it to myself,
1: you know. And and honestly, I haven't really talked about this much in 25 years. But, um, you know, I said to Deputy Chief Miller, Why? I mean, I'm grateful. Thank you for the job. But why? How did you decide on me? and he said you come highly recommended and so that started the wheels turning in my head and I, I I went and called the people that I had put down for references nobody had heard from the town and um I pieced it together there was a little old man Don Keeney who used to come and service to the, the boiler at the Hebron Fire Department and he'd come in and he'd be there every so often a couple times a year and, and mostly most people wouldn't notice him or or, or ignore him and, and I would I would spend some time talking to him and we we developed a fondness for each other and it turns out he was quite close with deputy chief miller and so he had he had said to him you know you got to hire this guy and and I, I I call it the karma of kindness you never know when you're when your kindness is gonna come back to you. And I don't, I'm not kind because I wanna get something out of people, but there is a karma to that, right? It does come back to you at some point. And, and it certainly did there. I wouldn't, I may not have been here today if I hadn't been kind to that little old man serving, you know, servicing our boiler in the Hebron Fire Department.
0: You said your first call was a medical call. And I think people have the perception that firefighters fight fires. Well, no, they're part of the medical community here as well. But among other things that you do, Colin Rice just texted me, and by the way, I have AT&T phone service, and my phone works fine, even though around the nation there's been some issues. But nonetheless, Colin says, thanks to the Willamette Fire Department for fire call two weeks ago, we had issues with our heating system. That's part of the job, isn't it? You know,
1: every people always ask me, you know, this season, whatever the season is, is this a quiet season or a busy season, and every season brings its hazards. And this is the heating season, and, and everything from furnace backfires to carbon monoxide calls to space heaters space heaters catching on fire. You know, we, we see quite a bit of that, but it's very common for us to respond to furnace backfires and carbon monoxide incidents for sure, or, or some other heating-related incident, no doubt.
0: What is a typical day like for the fire chief in Willimantic? So, I get into work about 6 30 in the
1: morning and I start looking over the previous day's incidents, seeing what's there. And then over the course How many of, would that be, about How
0: many incidents well, a day are Well, there?
1: yesterday we did 23.
0: Okay.
1: So, you know, I think it averages out to 14 a day uh, if you look at an entire year. We did over 5,200 calls last year. And uh, the number is. More is, medical than fire? It's about 78% medical. That's wow. right. Wow. Yeah. Yep, You know, half of those folks that we service with the ambulance are over 65. So we have an elderly community. Another third um, are on Medicaid, meaning that, you know, they have very low income. And so, you know, with those things, with having an elderly population, with having um, people who are poor, you know, there comes maybe less access to good health care, maybe... Um less preventative care. Um you know, there's a lot of reasons why somebody might want to access the ambulance services. But we provide ambulance services not only for Walmannick, but for the town of Wyndham and the town of Chaplin. So we took on the town of Chaplin a few years ago when the Hampton Chaplin Ambulance ceased.
0: Is and- part of your job description being a weatherman? I say that tongue in cheek because when there is a weather event coming, Chief Scrivener likes to put on Facebook and alert people, including maybe several days in advance if there's a big storm coming?
1: You know, uh, Weather Observer is probably, uh, although not official, uh, you know, my job is to be ready for emergencies and weather complicates emergencies. And so, and weather sometimes causes emergencies. And so I'm, I'm weather aware and, you know, I'm also a dad, right? So uh, that's what dads do and um, I, try to keep a social media presence people in the community respond well to that and part of that I do try to put up what I think the forecast is saying I'm not always right but I, I don't predict the weather neither are the meteorologists well yeah <laughs> true you know and and people don't really understand how that works with with the computing supercomputers and all that but um you know I, I I like to try to interact with people in the public with what i know and what what's coming up whether it's a town event or or whether it be weather awareness and people seem to respond very well to that so although they do uh, give me quite a bit of ribbing too about the weather
0: what do you use for a source or is it a conglomeration it's of a, many
1: sources yeah it's a conglomerate I you know i certainly listened to the forecast in WILI I, I uh one of my favorite TV personalities is Gil Simmons I uh, mean you know I'll tell you why because he does a live broadcast on Facebook every morning and he interacts with people who comment um, he's I, a Northeast Connecticut guy he's yeah from he, Killingly, he's from Killingly his yeah. parents are in Killingly
0: um, I'm trying to get him on the air, but I've flamed out. So maybe you can negotiate that I'll for me. See
1: what I can do. I've invited <laughs> him a few times to town for different functions, and he hasn't responded. But but he often does answer questions. I said he knows him, the fire chief here, and he, If I ask a direct question, he usually about the weather. He usually will answer it for me. So, um, and, and others of, do as well. Bob Max and others do as well.
0: A lot of times, you repost what Gil Simmons or some of the others, is, including snowfall maps and things like that. But you, like me, you are a weather weedy yeah definitely a weather geek for sure yeah no doubt and
1: you know i have the wyli weather calendar in my in my
0: kitchen one year i delivered it in person in your office you, you did I, I remember that And you about know. an hour later it was posted on facebook
1: <laughs> <laughs> and i had a photo that you had used that year in the calendar that i had taken so uh and then this year of course we're in july and so for the for the boombox parade so um it's it's we bought a half a dozen of them and shared them with family members and and uh, they're available to co-op if you're looking for one, and the money goes to the soup kitchen, right? Yeah, in fact, so. like
0: we're doing a show tomorrow to present the check to the soup kitchen and the Holy Family Home and Shelter. That'll be 8, 10 or so in the morning when we actually do that. That picture that's on our website this morning at WILI.com is the picture that's the July photo in the weather calendar Mark just referred to. It's the 25th anniversary of the day when Chief Walsh and Deputy Chief Miller hired him at the Willimantic fire department. At that point, though, you were a firefighter. Tell me the process from that day, 25 years ago, to becoming the fire chief in the Willamette Fire Department.
1: You know, I mean, uh, thanks, thanks, Wayne. I, a lot of things are related in life uh, for achieving some sort of success or related to preparation and work. And sometimes it's just good fortune. You know, and when I came on the department here, most of the captains had been on the job for 30, 35 years. They were long in the tooth and ready to retire. Um, we, we had some... But tr- very good at what they did. Very good. And, and you know, of course, we... Captain Bolio and Captain Lucas and, and others, we we stay in touch with them and they help us out with the stuff a truck in the, the December for you know the holidays and and we you know we love those those men like brothers. They're uh, always been wonderful mentors and and but they were they were ready to go soon after you know my arrival and there was turnover and, and just good fortune for me uh, when Chief Walsh retired in two thousand five and, and 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 Miller had retired shortly before. Uh, deputy Chief Palmer promoted to chief and then they were looking for a deputy chief and um, it was it was a whim that I put in for the position I was a firefighter I wasn't a captain um, you know I had certainly had the background in the air force and in and, and other areas of the fire service that added to my resume and, and by some good fortune I I was was given the position of deputy fire chief in uh, around 2007, I think it was, and um, I was young, as youngest as youngest deputy chief we had had, and you know there was there was controversy surrounding that, but I've been working every day since to earn the, the both that job, and then later on the when 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 um, Palmer retired in 2010, I was acting chief for a couple of years, and and uh, and, and you know to, to earn the position of fire chief. I went about ten years without a deputy chief and then when the pandemic kicked off I said, Look guys, you know, I seriously I could get COVID and, and and not survive. You need to have a plan for my not being here. And and by the way, I'm getting closer to the end of my career than the beginning. You gotta have some succession here. And so they promoted Ron Palmer Junior, who was a captain, to the deputy chief position about four three, four years ago now.
0: Which brings me to the question. Today's your 25th anniversary at the Willamette Fire Department. Will you and I be doing this show 25 (laughs) years from now? Well, certainly not. Well, certainly not. You know, um, in the fire department in Willamette Speak for yourself, pal. (laughs) (laughs) In Willamette,
1: you can uh, retire after 25 years. I don't have any plans. I'm still young. I'm 54 years old. Um, But, you know, I'm certainly closer to the end of my career than the beginning, and I don't know what the the next phase of my life looks like. But I, I still have work to do here. I have... A lot of young people were on boarding we're seeing you know we have some impending retirements again for captains and that sort of thing we've got to do the process of preparing and turning over the organizations to the people that come behind us and I, and I I think there's a couple of years' work for me there in the turnover of the organization and you know who knows what'll happen but um you know i I, I still
0: see a mission for me here so i'm not i 'm not ready to go yet. Mark, if this radio thing doesn't work out for me and I want to be a member of the Willimantic Fire Department, what would I have to do? What are the requirements to be a firefighter in Willimantic? You know, the things have changed a lot during my tenure. When I applied
1: for a job here, I probably competed against 800 other people. There was a a big um, pipeline from the volunteer fire service to the career service at the time. Uh, competition was fierce. You know, for my one position, I probably competed against 800 other people. Today, we're we're seeing a trickle of applicants, and frankly, we have to go out and get them. We because of the the volume, the sheer volume, the town would advertise an open application period every two years. It, you, can you imagine? You know, processing 800 applications on paper. By the way, it, you know, it was a tremendous amount of work for them. Then they, you know, there was a there's always a written exam or or some sort of exam related to coming on the job if you have a high school if you're if you graduate high school you, you you should be able to pass the exam the exam gives us some assurances you're ready for the academics and the fire academy and an emt emt is a tough certification to get and um and at the time i took my written exam at the wyndham high school on paper with hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of other people and then a series of interviews today we've had to change that i if you're interested in a job Willimannic Fire Department, just stop in or grab a Willimannic firefighter and give us your contact info. I have a web form that you can also fill out. And, you know, I have some QR codes on signs around town, although I think I need to probably go out and replace them after the winter weather. And, you know, give us, reach out to us one way or another. We'll bring you down the station. We'll tour you around the building for an hour. We'll tell you about the job. If you're still interested, we can get you a link to a test that you can take at home on your, on your PC on any day of the year you don't have to wait two years anymore i can i can send you that link any day of the week and um and then we'll get you if you pass it we'll get you in for an interview and you know we can only hire really twice a year because the recruit school starts in august and february weather for weather weather reasons and so when we have openings or anticipated openings we start to look for applic- you know for for people to hire july august and then again maybe january february
0: you my friend are a physical specimen are there physical requirements to be a firefighter? Well, you know, there's a thing
1: called the CPAT, the Candidate Physical Agility Test, Physical Aptitude Test. It's run, there's a there's a site in Meriden run by the Connecticut Fire Academy, and there's a private sector enterprise in North Haven. And it's, you know, it's like a 12-minute test, physical agility test. Um, but every career fire department in the state of Connecticut requires that. now in the past we would want you to present proof of completion when we offered you a job we've lo- loosened that up a little bit try because applicants are few these days um, if we are confident that you can probably pass it we might take a chance on you and hire you and send you to recruit school and tell you that you got to get it done on the weekends while you're there it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a thing that every applicant in the department has to have gone through so um but once you're on the job we, you know there's expectation that you're able to pass an annual physical and continue to be physically capable of doing the job it's like a football team you know we constantly trying to we have a disabled list we're constantly trying to rehab people back into the starting lineup i don't know sports so i'm 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 struggling with my analogies here but um you know it's it's a very physical job physically demanding job and it's not always the stretching a hose line that gets you it's the repetitive motion of of doing our job year after year shoulders and backs and necks and knees and those sort of things tend to tend to wear hard
0: you said applicants are few does that make it a competitive field and in this case Wyndham slash has to pony up the dough to get the best possible candidates to be hired
1: well that's right you know we, we're never going to be the we're a poor community. We're never going to be the best paid fire department. We're never going to be the one with the best benefits. And so, um, in the past, where we cast a wide net statewide, we're really focusing more, because we are, We can't be competitive. We want to be as competitive as possible. We want to offer the best possible pay. You know, and after five years on the job, you're making almost $75,000 a year. So, that's, that's a nice income to raise a family on. Um, but, you know, we we're trying to find people who are either somewhat local to us, who have roots here in the area, who want to stay in the area, who want to raise a family in the area, or who have some connection to our organization. And we offer our existing staff a couple thousand dollar bonus if they give us a name. We hire them and we keep them for a year. We'll give you a bonus for for that referral. So we're we're you know who knows who's best suited for work for the town of Wyndham than the people who already work here. And so if you can give us a high-quality name that we can hire and keep, then we'll, we'll give you a bonus for that.
0: Mark Scrivener, our guest on his 25th anniversary of being hired at the Willamette Fire Department. You are wearing a badge right now. Do all firefighters get that badge, or is that a badge worn by the chief? Well, this is, a, you know, this has uh, its gold. It's it's um, It's got bugles, five
1: bugles on it, so it's a chief's badge. Um, there are firefighter badges with a scramble of, of firefighting equipment on it, and then the lieutenant would have one bugle, captain two bugles. The different departments have different rank structures, but yeah, there's there's a badge associated with each with each rank in the fire service.
0: You mentioned the firefighter training school. There's one, of course, out by Bradley and there's one right here across from Rec Park. Tell me what goes on down there and how do you, as a fire chief, utilize that with your department? So the, the, the Eastern Connecticut Fire School here in Walmannock down at the
1: Bend in the River is uh, one of uh, nine regional schools in Connecticut. It's the only one east of the river. And, and frankly, it, its mission is primarily for the Volunteer Fire Service. Now, th- we certainly rent it a couple times a year for live fire training, and we certainly mm-hmm. attend classes down there. Uh, but... You know, we send our recruits to the 15-week residency program at Windsor Locks at the Connecticut Fire Academy. And, you know, a volunteer who's got a full-time career and family and kids just can't take 15 weeks off and go to school. So nights and weekends at their local regional fire school is, is where they get their training. And so that's what happens primarily down at this school. They are a brand new facility in the last couple of years. It's it's state of the art. It's gorgeous. And they're, they're trying to expand their, their offering of classes. And, and, and they have been. I've been watching their catalog. It's growing. And there's certainly more seminars and weekend uh, events that are, that are interesting to us. So, you know, we plug in wherever we can. But, you know, they're, they're run by a board of directors. They're independent of us. We, we pay tuition just like everybody else, even though it's in Willimannick.
0: Tell me the relationship between the Willimantic Fire Department and the local volunteer fire departments, including the Wyndhams. We, you know, we're, us here in
1: Connecticut are very parochial. We're village oriented. We, 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 we came over here and set up little villages everywhere. And and it's no different in Wyndham. We you know uh, the three Wyndhams: North Wyndham, Wyndham Center, South Wyndham, and Will and, and the and, and They're all developments that that uh, if you read the history of the town, kind of uh, grew independently of each other, and and they each retain their their own little identity, and that and that includes the the fire departments as well. We actually have four separate autonomous fire departments here in town. Each one of them has their own chief now. The you know there's probably going to be reason to consider consolidation in the future um, it's it's a scary, change is scary for us I mean we're we're Connecticut Yankees you know we don't we don't take a while to change um, but it's kind of being forced upon us you know the the people who are, who are raising their hand and volunteering today are few it, we're having trouble finding people to pay to do it let alone volunteer to do it so you know the the departments in the area are having to face a crisis of staffing that might down the road, entail some sort of consolidation or mu- but, but, you know, functionally we work together very well. We, we, we provide medical service for the entire town in the town of Chaplin, and, and we'll go anywhere with a fire truck if we're asked. So if there's a fire in the windows and they want our help, we'll, we'll certainly give it to them, but they are their own entity independent of us and independent of the, the town council.
0: And how does mutual aid work? Well, there's,
1: you know, there's automatic aid that's programmed ahead of time and then there's there's mutual aid that's requested on the spot because there's some special need you know we have a lot of programmed aid in town both in windham and with our neighbors if there's a fire in mansfield or yukon undoubtedly will be there it's already been decided and programmed if there's a fire in the windhams uh in in many cases will be there if there's a fire in a surrounding community in many cases they've already decided to call for us um, but you know if there's a special need uh that isn't programmed we'll certainly respond to that as well you know we only have eight people assigned to a shift and we and, and we can work with as few as six so we we you know we're stretched thin we can only do we did over 5200 calls last year we can only do what we can with our staffing and we're trying to to grow that but again a poor community so um you know we we, we take them as they come
0: offer aid where we can Do you have a targeted response time in the Willamette Service District, meaning somebody calls for either fire or medical? How quickly can your people get there?
1: If you were to look at the town council minutes, well, we have a— a uh, taxing district, Willamette taxing district, has a board. We call it a board of directors now. If you were to look at that, it, they meet every two months, and there's minutes and an agenda for each meeting. And, and I have a whole report that I do. I spend a whole day doing a report, crunching those kind of numbers. And you know, anywhere in Willamette, we can be in four minutes. In the Wyndhams, it's six or seven minutes. In Chaplin is ten minutes. Mutual aid, depending on where we're going. So. Um, you know, we we crunch that data and we report that data to the board of directors every two months for their meetings. And that's available for the public to read.
0: You touched on this a little earlier, but I want you to develop the idea that in your early years here in Willamantic, money was tight and it had a bad effect on morale. How so? Wayne, I, I remember money being so tight
1: that the the finance director at the time wanted to approve every single purchase which is is mind-boggling right because there's thousands of purchases that happen in the course of a year uh in the town all the different departments are buying everything from a widget to a fire truck to a tire to a dump truck you know and he wanted to because of how tight things were he wanted to approve everything and i remember arguing with him i put in a requisition for four tires for an ambulance and he called me in the office and he said can you take two Instead of the four, would you would you live with two? And I said, you know, I think there's steel banding coming through the rubber on the tires. We need four. You know, but every single purchase was like that, and it it, you know it certainly was exhausting for me. But we weren't able to give our employees the tools they needed to do the job, and that really weighed heavily on people who were trying to respond to emergencies here. Now, in the last few years the current council or the councils that we've had and the, the mayor and the town manager, we, we, I think we're in a better place than I've seen in terms of finances. I mean, we're really strong and and we're given the things we need to do. Our, you never have everything, Wayne. You never have everything all at once. And sometimes things take time to, to, to acquire, but for the most part, they've given us the things we need to do our job. And, and, and it's it's really good It's good for us to be able to have that.
0: Is one of the proudest moments in your tenure in the Willamette Fire Department the St. Mary's Church fire over on Valley Street. That was the third Thursday. I remember it very well. I think 2013 or so. But the bottom line is that the quick response and the coordinated effort saved that church, which is now back in business. You know, it's a miracle, both from a spiritual perspective
1: and from a firefighting perspective. Church fires never end well. And I—I I, when the call came in and I saw the column of smoke, I said, Oh, boy, you know, here we go, because we're going to lose this building. And uh, at the time, our our deputy chief today, uh, Ron Palmer Jr., he was a captain, and he took a crew and he crawled in the front door of that building up to the choir loft and up above the ceiling, the plaster ceiling. The heat was uh, oppressive. The smoke was zero visibility. And he was trying to make headway against that fire. He couldn't. But I remember thinking... If any one of those firefighters has a mayday while they're up there, we'll never get them out. They're, they're not going to survive. And so at some point, we said, hey, everybody's got to come out of the building. Uh, we, we just can't. It, the risk is too high. And the problem was is if you're not fighting it from the inside, you're fighting from the outside. We had scaffolding. They were doing renovations. They had scaffolding above the window line in the sanctuary.
0: Which may have been what started it, right? We,
1: you know, I think it ultimately was thought to be electrical and so it may have been above the scaffolding level and you know normally I would have taken a, the biggest nozzle we could find drag it down the center aisle and point it at the ceiling but we couldn't do that because for all uh, intents and purposes there was another ceiling or floor above the Cathedral ceiling or at the Cathedral ceiling and you know norm- the other choice would be to smash out windows and spray water in from there but the see the, the scaffolding was above that line the roof was slate and you know, normally, you, okay, the next option is chop holes in the roof, but it's slate. So we, we put, we had five ladder trucks in the scene. We put guys up on the roof with sledgehammers, smashing through the slate, and then cutting through the roof with saws so we could get water in below the, the roof line. It, it is truly a miracle that that building's still standing, but it is a testament to the... The, the, the firefighters that responded, you know, I can't take credit for that. The, they, the, the, the work that both the Willamette firefighters and all of our mutual aid, and we had hundreds of firefighters there, did there, was just astonishing. And, and, you know, I'll sing the praises for the rest of my career. It was, um, it, I, when I walk by that building today, I, I, every time I think about that fire and how, how amazing it is that it's still standing, it really is. It's astonishing that it's still standing.
0: What was the role the Willamantic Fire Department played in the major train derailment? It happened almost right in back where we're located here, off of Main Street. That was quite
1: uh, a few days in our history. <laughs> we, I was headed up to a meeting in the northern part of the state, and uh, Captain Card, I think, was in charge that day. And uh, when the the tracks gave way, rolled over. There was alcohol on all these trains—methanol or something. And um, you know the trains didn't—they didn't leak. They weren't—they weren't, they weren't uh, pierced. But there's an awful lot of very flammable liquid in in, in trail, you know, in, in tank cars sitting on their side downtown Willamantic, and certainly a cause for concern for us. The the railroad companies bring in a contractor. They have a contractor that just they pretty much just bounce from derailment to derailment across the country and they come in and and they're they're inc- incredibly efficient and fast and they they their goal is to upright the vehicles and to replace the track but you know the the train cars are held together with these couplers these shelf couplers and they were quite torqued and they had to cut you know with torches these couplers to get them apart and if you remember the pictures the rails which are substantial metal were just you know, torqued like spaghetti. And, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of uh, force brought to bear on that train that was carrying very flammable liquid that's now laying on its side in downtown Wilmington. So we had a fire department presence there for the entire cleanup in case something happened. Uh, We activated the regional incident management team. And the regional incident management team helps you manage an incident that's going to go for more than a day uh, with the logistics of it all. But it also brings some some you know, some experience. at the time the chief of Norwich, Ken Scandariato, had come up and shadowed me as well as the chief of Groton City, Nick Dalia, and offered me their years of experience. And I and I remember having conversations with Chief Scandariato about if this thing—if they're cutting with torches and this thing goes up—are we too close? You know, uh, what, what, how big is the blast radius going to be downtown? So, uh, you know, those were all kind of conversations that you have when you have a highly flammable liquid sitting on its side and you're doing high-risk operations.
0: Did you flash back to that with the event last year in Palestine, Ohio? Yeah, I mean, so um,
1: we do. Uh, it's a different product, but we do have. Uh, high-risk products on trains come through our community and we keep a close eye on them and they're very they've a very good safety record here aside from that particular moment in time when they weren't maintaining the tracks but um you know it takes a lot to cause a rail car to to um you know to be pierced uh but we do keep a close eye on what's what's coming through and try to keep you know ready for that
0: so they notify you in advance when hazardous materials no. like what happened. No. They don't. No, That's... Uh, you know the rail companies, they 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 almost act like they're
1: a, a autonomous nation. You know, like they're they're you know they're, they 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 don't seem to to respond well to anybody. But uh, you have to kind of force your way in. But um, we we just keep a close eye. We you know we, I regularly drive by the siding behind vermont drive to see what's going on back there what's sitting there you know you walk the rail trails you see it all the time by the way on those on those rail cars there should be a placard a diamond shaped uh placard with four digits a un id number and anybody could google those and see what what the product is that's sitting there
0: and by the way, geographically, I have said it was behind our building here. Technically, it wasn't a little bit farther east. I think it was behind what we now call the Foster Building. Right. But in my days, it was the Willamette Trust Building or whatever. That's kind of where the... Well, DRM... we,
1: you know, we did set up a command post right behind your building here. We used um, potpourri printers for some of our printing needs during the event. We had quite a footprint right down here on Riverside Drive. Um, and, you know, there was quite a few cars that stretched some distance in, uh, under the whole this whole area of uh of Walt
0: i remember a weekend a couple of years ago i was heading to philadelphia to broadcast a yukon game at temple and on my way out of town i saw these gigantic plumes of smoke it was the willy waste fire what are your memories of that that was a
1: sunday i was home it was about 10 o'clock in the morning the the, the call went out and you know it, it became obvious from radio transmissions that this was going to be a big deal my my crews were responding and they could see the the column of smoke from town hall um in fact there was a little bit of confusion because the, the the captain transmitted a message saying um i can see a big column of smoke from town hall and he meant and he can see it from town hall it wasn't coming from town hall and so initially people were like oh no the town hall's on fire too no no he can just see it looked like a you know a bomb had gone off and uh, i jumped on the on the on the air and, r- and ran across the limited access highway up on route six and, and it looked like a volcanic ex- you know eruption for me from that perspective it was it was astonishing we went three days it was a sunday we, we didn't really wrap it up till tuesday night that was a, a really a impactful moment in our history. The, the amount of manpower that it required, the logistics involved in the whole thing, um, you know, we, it, there's so much that goes into that incident that, that we could spend hours talking about, but boy, that, that sure
0: left a mark on us. Well, as I headed out of town to go to Philadelphia that day, it had been burning for a couple hours, and I drove by Route 66 before it joins with six out in Columbia, and that area where the bridge goes over the rail tracks, you looked off to the north, and I could not—not not only the, the fire and the smoke, but the response. There were like a million—maybe not that many, but a lot of fire trucks down there. It was a huge deal back You know,
1: and those fire trucks were there for three days, and we had to keep fueling them up. I mean, that's just—we had to feed everybody three meals a day. We had to fuel the fire trucks. We had to— you know, there was a lot of the just we had to have toilet facilities for everybody. You know, and, and they're down in the hollow of the, the woolly waste. So we put four million gallons of water down there, Wayne. So it became a toxic soup of sludge. So when any time fi- any fire firefighter came out of. That area up to West Main Street, we had to de- totally decontaminate them. If they wanted to use the bathroom or get food or if they were rotating off shift, they had to be scrubbed down. We had New London Fire Department doing that for us.
0: Are there hydrants down there or can you pump water out of the Willamette River?
1: Both. We, we, we probably pulled three and a half million gallons off the hydrants and probably another half million gallons out of the river. Uh, Atwood Hose Company pumped and, the
0: river. And fields. how about a future Cupid, Angelo Lucas, at Tony's Pizza he fed you guys well, right? You know, I, I've always said that if we had to do it all over again, we would have to appoint
1: a person to be in charge of donations because we had, a, we had canteen services from Providence there that fed us well, and people would call us up and say, hey, we're coming with a dozen pizzas, and we'd say, please don't. We, we've we got plenty of food. Too bad. We're coming anyways, and the food was just stacking up, and so we, we you know we literally had conversations with the health department about how long can this food sit here out in the sun on the picnic table before we have to throw it away because... We're, we're, you know, we're overwhelmed with donations. The Woolman community, Wyndham community, is wonderful. People want to want
0: to help, and 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 we're so grateful for that. Mark, let's wrap this up by flashing back 25 years ago today when you were hired. To what technology was like then, <laughs> yeah. and what it's like now? How and have things changed? We were doing things on paper when I got
1: hired, and we shortly thereafter put computers in the firehouse and started doing reporting on computers. And we've come so far from then. You know, we have tablets. We have iPads in our apparatus today that are running mobile data terminal software that connects to the dispatch center. The call goes out. Dispatch puts it in. It populates on the tablet in the apparatus. It pops up on the big screens in the firehouse. Um, we all have apps on our, on our, on our cell phones. So we can get the calls. It's astonishing. We connect to the hospital. You know, in the old days, when you were bringing a patient to the hospital, you picked up what looked like a phone. It was a two-way radio to tell the hospital with your voice what you were bringing in. Now we have an app where the firefighters just put their patient information in there. The thing automatically computes their ETA to the hospital like it's Waze or Google Maps. And, you know, it's, it's astonishing, but it's a struggle to keep ahead of all that stuff, too. And inevitably, somebody gets to the end of their career and goes, you know, I think I've had it with all this technology change. I have to go. And we've seen that time and time again because it is it, it's constantly changing.
0: It's amazing. Our friend Dave Wallenchevitz, the general manager of Impact Fire, who knows a thing or two about firefighters, he wrote me and said, Chief Mark has been instrumental to bringing a high level of professionalism to the entire Willamette Fire Department. He's right. Mark, thank you for that. Thank you for your time, and thank you for your friendship, too. Happy anniversary, my friend. Thank
1: you, sir. I appreciate it.
0: Mark Scrivener on his 25th anniversary being hired at the Willamette Fire Department on 14 WILI Willamette. FM.